Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. I have uh, 300 pages of notes. And we're going to go through the whole Bible today, and I'm not, I'm not kidding. But we'll go th- through it fast. Get all my notes together here. Well, I'm uh, here to share with you today. We'll see what happens. Keep praying, Steve. Let's pray. Father, we just believe for the divine authorization and the anointing from heaven. We believe, Lord, that you have set us here today. You brought us together to hear and understand and experience. May we never be the same again. May we step into the rivers of revelation and, Lord, be drawn upon by the Spirit to do what's necessary in this day. Fill us now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Here we go. I got to go through the whole Bible. So stick with me. Are you ready? I want to first just address, we're living in an interesting age, interesting day. Uh, Changes are happening very fast, causing a lot of anxiety. Pace of life is faster. I mean, when I was... When I was a kid, it wasn't near this fast. We didn't have any of this uh, social media stuff, which I have vowed off of. <laughs> and uh, life's decisions are more complicated. Uh, the values of life are being challenged. When we have people in leadership in our nation that, that speak death and not life, a whole party has adopted a platform of death. But I'm not just talking about political parties, I'm talking about business leaders, I'm talking about the whole spectrum of society, and the only thing, now I'm telling you right now, the only thing standing between them and chaos is us, the church. Now, maybe you don't believe that. I personally do because I just read the Bible And the Bible's very clear. And so what I'm going to try to do today, since we have all these these challenges, I'm going to attempt to put the Bible together for you in a picture. Have you ever put together a 10,000-piece jigsaw puzzle before? What did you need to put it together? You needed the picture. You need the picture on the front. I'm going to try to paint the picture, and I don't know if I can do it in 45 minutes, but I'm going to try And I'm going to try to paint the picture of how God sees us and how God wants us to participate. So I'm going to review some things. I'm going to put some things in place. I'm going to insert all these these scriptures and different things as as we go through scripture. and, And hopefully you will understand it better and it will grab your heart. We had an amazing first service. So you better be praying that God shows up this service now. Okay? So here we go. You with me? Here's God. He's thinking in heaven. 
He says, you know, I don't just want the kingdom of God in this ethereal area of just the universe and up here in heaven. I want to create a visible place where I can extend my kingdom and put my rule and dominion over. And so he decided to uh, do something very, very unusual. He created people like himself, and he placed them on the earth as an extension of heaven or the kingdom of God. He put Adam and Eve on the earth as citizens of heaven, and let me use the term, he colonized the earth with heaven's citizens because it's a kingdom. You see, God only thinks in kingdom form. God is not, uh, he's not an American. He's not any nation. He's over it all, and he, ha he thinks in kingdom ideas. And he's the king, and he has dominion. And he, the kingdom means the king's domain. And so he wanted a king's domain to extend to the earth, and he put his ambassadors, his people just like himself, which is co-regents, he put them on, placed them on the earth, and he said, and he gave them a colonial charter. Chapter 1, Genesis 1, says, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and take dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. He said all that, and he, that was the colonial charter that he gave to his co-regents on the earth, and he backed off and he said, okay, do it. And we see that they were, they were actually commanded to extend the kingdom, build a, actually extend the garden over the extent of the earth, which we know is the earth today. Well, we know what happened. We, we, we realize that, that uh, as God's co-regents, they didn't listen to God at one point, and an, and an angel of light, the serpent, the snake, came in and, and deceived them, and they gave the kingdom away. They lost it. They didn't lose a religion. They lost a kingdom. And what happened is Satan took the title deed of earth and took it to himself and said, God's not going to take and extend his kingdom to the visible realm. I'm going to do it. And if you go to Isaiah chapter 14 and, and uh, 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 Jeremiah chapter 28, you will see what, what, what Satan said. He said, I will be like the Most High God. And so he, he, he took and he, uh, he violated the kingdom of God on the earth, which was given to Adam and Eve. Now stay with me. I'm trying to paint a picture. Are you here? So it's the kingdom of God. So they lost a kingdom. They didn't lose a religion. Christianity is not a religion. It's a part of a kingdom. And so they lost the kingdom. Well, God knew that was going to happen, so he put in place this book here is the narrative of God's plan to put back in place his kingdom. His, the whole narrative of the Bible is to bring in Revelation what was lost in Genesis. So if you go to the book of Revelation, you will see Genesis re, refurbished and, and returned to its original place. You will see the river of God. You'll see the tree of life. You will see all these things happening 
in, in the book of Revelation. Now stay with me. I'm trying to paint this picture. So we have a kingdom that was lost. God only thinks in kingdom terms. So, so God puts this narrative in place. God comes to Abraham and tells him about the kingdom and, and tells him that he's going to have a people that's going to be the cover of the earth. It's going to be like the sand of the sea. And he starts sowing seeds throughout the narrative of the Old Testament, telling him what's going to happen and how he's going to return them to the kingdom. Are you ready? So he gets, he gets then, 4,000 years goes by. He's sown this seed in David, and David was the one that actually caught the most. David understood it because he was the king. And notice this, the, the, the children of Israel, like we, they didn't want a king they couldn't see. They wanted a king that they could see. What do we do? We want things that we can see, not things that we can't see. And so we put our trust in things that we can see. But Jesus comes along, 4,000 years goes by, Jesus comes on the scene, the Son of God, and we understand this, what was happening was this. Jesus came, his main role was to come and return the kingdom of God to its proper place on the earth. That was his primary role. Now we say, well, didn't he come to save us? Yeah, yeah, he came to save us. But here's, here's the problem. I've grown up in the church all my life, and I don't know, when I was a kid, I got saved a thousand times. Do you know what I mean? I thought church was just, just getting people saved. Man, if we can just get them saved, we got to get them saved. And I'm not putting that down. I'm just saying that just gets you through the door. That's just the beginning. When you, when you get saved, which is what biblically is being born again, your spirit is saved, you're born again, what it does, it allows you then to come into a kingdom, because there's only two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness, it allows you to come into the kingdom and experience the blessing and the fruitfulness of God that Jesus is returning to us until we get to the point of revelation. Now watch this. So Jesus comes along, and we see what happened. I'm reviewing what I did a few weeks ago, by the way, and I'm adding to it, okay? So, Jesus comes along, and we see what happens. He teaches his disciples. Then, then he's, he's, he's nailed on a cross, and, and we think that, that because of his, his, his death, burial, and resurrection, we are, we are saved. And that's true. It is the redemptive plan of God. But it was more than that, because Jesus was busy while we thought he was in the tomb. Do you know what he was doing? The Bible says he went to hell. Come on, he went, you go to Ephesians chapter 4, you go to Peter, you go through all the Bible. It says, he went to hell. Now, can you imagine hell at this point? Maybe, I'm, I'm sure you can't, but uh, imagine hell where all these demons and Satan himself, and they were, just, they were just throwing a party because they just killed the Son of God. And, and you know, they were just, this is awesome! And all of a sudden, they see this light starting in the middle of the hell. What, 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 what? what? What's that? And it gets bigger and bigger, and all of a sudden, Jesus appears. Ah! We thought he was dead! Can you imagine? I can't, I can't wait for the Netflix video on that one. I mean, really. They had this planned all along. Satan wasn't as smart as he thought he was. And so, all of a sudden, Jesus, the Bible says, he took the keys of death and hell. The keys that Satan had stolen back in the garden, he grabs them back. And the Bible says he takes captivity captive. 
and he takes a tribe of people, the righteous who were in hell before the cross, and he takes them to paradise or heaven. I can't wait for that Netflix video either, man. I, I'm telling you. And so what happened is he reversed things. Okay, so we're, you with me? So he has his kingdom, God established, he lost it, now he's regaining it. Now all of Jesus' talk to us was about the kingdom. It wasn't about how to be religious. Now the problem with the Pharisees, they were religious, and they just had repetitive, re repetitious things that they did all the time. And so it was just a religion to them. If they did enough of these things, they would be righteous. But Jesus comes along and says, that's not it. It's the kingdom. It's seeking first the kingdom. It's about having the kingdom in your life. And Jesus comes along and says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, the kingdom is here. The kingdom of God is near you. It's, 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 it's within reach. And so he's returning the kingdom. So all of Jesus' talk is about the return of the kingdom. And in that setting, Jesus now comes and he's teaching his disciples. You got to stay with me. He's teaching his disciples. In Matthew 16 and verse 17, he begins talking to his disciples and he's, and, and he's, he's kind of conversing with them. And how, do, how many of you know that Jesus, when conversing, he's always up to something? And he says, oh, by the way, guys, who do they say I am? I said, well, you're Jeremiah, you're Isaiah. Peter said, no, no, no. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus goes, whoa. Verse 17 answered that. It says, Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you're Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell or Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. This is one of the most powerful scriptures in the whole Bible. Now let me, let me explain it to you. Okay, so we have, this, we have this kingdom. Now his disciples knew what the word, the word church is the word ecclesia in the Greek. And the word ecclesia was, the, was a word for called out ones, meaning that you could have a church of farmers, called out farmers that get together and talk about farming. You could have a church of crocheters, called out ones to talk about crocheting or you know, whatever you're interested. And so, but the disciples knew that and Jesus comes along and says, and on this rock of revelation, I'm going to build my ecclesia. I'm gonna build my church. Now, he, in this context, he says amazing things. He says, in this church, there's going to be such power, it will, it, will be over to, it will be able to overcome the very gates of hell. The gates always mean authority. So he says, my church is going to be able to overcome the very authority of hell. Whoa. And then he says, and I'm going to give them the keys of the kingdom. And they'll be able to bind and loose and... and Whatever's bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever's loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. All of a sudden, we start seeing this context of church because the disciples knew something else. The word church in the Roman and Greek era was, was the term for senate. In other words, Jesus was saying, I'm going to build my church or my senate, and my people are going to come in together in my church, and they're going to be able to legislate in the heavenlies and overcome the works of darkness, and actually 
they're going to abscond hell itself. Amen. That's, that's what he was saying. So he's saying several things. He, and you have to understand this. He says, in the church, in the ecclesia, they're going to have power to legislate. They're going to have power over hell. They're going to be able to have keys that are going to lock and unlock. And it's going to be an amazing thing. And Jesus used those keys. He illustrated a few, a few chapters later that I will explain to you. And then in the, in the same context, he comes to Peter and he says, oh, by the way, Pete, he says, Simon Barjona, he, he calls him Simon in verse 17 and Peter in verse 18. Why? Because he just changed his name. He did. He just changed his name from Simon, a reed blown about by every wind of doctrine to a rock. Peter means a rock. In the context of the church, God starts transforming our very character. That's what he's saying in the context of the church. So we have the church. Here's, here's the kingdom. And now God plops down in the middle of his kingdom, his ecclesia, that he didn't have even time to do in the Old Testament when Adam and Eve were there. Now he's doing it, and the Son of God is giving us revelation about it, and he plops down this ecclesia right in the middle of the kingdom, and he says, there's going to be transformation in my house. There's going to be power in my house. There's going to be keys in my house. There's going to be power in, and all these things in my house. The word keys means that as we, as we bind and loose, it means that we have the management responsibility on the earth. In other words, if the earth is, if there's a problem on earth, it's not the devil's fault necessarily. It's that the church hasn't arisen. And we have to, we have to come to a point that we see the power of the ecclesia. The power of the church, and you've got to have your mind changed, your heart changed, and we've got to come together to see. Jesus proved this when he was feeding the 5,000. He comes to his, his disciples, and they, they all just saw, you know, the natural. Jesus comes to them and, and said, feed them. Oh, we can't. We don't have any food. Jesus says, watch this. He pulled out his key. First key he used was the key of prayer. He prayed to heaven. He took out the second key, the key of thanksgiving. Yeah. All of a sudden, he blessed it, broke it, and fed 5,000. We believe up to a point of 20,000. The keys of the kingdom are not seen, but unseen, are in our heart and are in the church. Are you with me? So he puts that now. So we go a few more chapters, and we go to Acts chapter 2, and all of a sudden, Jesus, now, see, all, this whole move from the book of Genesis all through the Bible, it's introducing things all the time that will give us the tools to overcome the devil. And so we get to the book of Acts now, he's introduced the church, and they understand what it is, but they're still not, it's just kind of... In, uh, kind of in the wind. They don't quite understand it. And all of a sudden, in Acts chapter 2, Jesus tells them, get in the upper room, get to the, uh, on the day of Pentecost, just get there, just get there, and I'll show you what's going to happen. So they got there, 120 of them. They're in the upper room, and all of a sudden, uh, you know this as you have read Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes on the scene. The Holy Spirit is now loose to be a part of the ecclesia because Acts chapter 2 is the birth of the church. 
All theologians will tell you Acts chapter 2 is the birth of the church, the ecclesia. It's the actually est uh, actual establishment of the church, and God puts within the, uh, the birth of the church, he puts the Holy Spirit in power. But if you, if you remember Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And so that happened. Jesus prophesied it. That's red letter. He prophesies it. Then Acts chapter 2, it happens. Fire comes down. They're all filled with the Holy Spirit. Fire on each one. They began to speak in tongues. The Bible says the church was birthed in the very first day. 3,000 souls were birthed into the kingdom. And what? Added to the church. Added to the ecclesia. The thing is, we don't, we don't quite understand God's, God's thinking about you know, how important the church of the ecclesia is. We're not, just a, we're not just a bunch of people that come and listen to some wild person. Get the pun. Wild person preaching at you on a Sunday or doing a few exercises. No, we are the church. We belong to God. We're citizens of his kingdom. He's given us ambassadorship. An ambassadorship in the kingdom means that we have all the resources of heaven that we need to do what we need to overcome the works of darkness around us. But it's only in the church that it will be released. Now we understand it's not just the universal church, it's the local church. Everyone needs to be in a church. And I would suggest you get in one that really believes in the Holy Spirit. Because if you, uh, if, if you get into church with the Holy Spirit, you'll begin to see not just Acts 2, but Acts 4, Acts, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 18. You see all these times the Holy Spirit is poured out and power comes. And, and God, God begins to advance. In just a few short years after the Holy Spirit hit the church in Acts chapter 2, the whole known world knew who God was. We need that today. We need a church that is filled with the Spirit, empowered by God, is being transformed, is being touched by the Holy Spirit, and is renewed by God so we can see what he's doing because, see, the kingdom is here, but he puts the ecclesia, it's almost like his own spaceship. He puts it on the earth and he says, that's my house. Notice how many times, I don't know if you've, have you read the Bible recently? How many, how many times he talks about his house? This house, that house, his house. You know, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. You know, go through the Bible. I, even in Old Testament, he's talking about his house, his house. God likes places. There's certain territory and places God loves, and the house is where he really loves. The place that we assign for where we gather together is really important to him. And this is, this is the capital ecclesia here. Are you with me? Okay, I'm not done yet. So we have this, we have the kingdom. God comes along and he puts the ecclesia and he establishes his, his church in, his king, in the kingdom. He's now restoring to us understanding of the kingdom. When he says to you, seek first the kingdom. We're not seeking first the church. The church or the ecclesia is simply the instrument to introduce the kingdom to people and get the kingdom in them so we can get to Revelation where he's, and Chris keeps telling you this, that the earth wasn't created to be in a dumpster file. 
the, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. You weren't saved just to get to heaven. You were saved to get into the kingdom, to be a part of the overwhelming, overcoming part of God, so you can see the transformation and get to the new heavens and new earth, and he's got more jobs for us up ahead. If you think you're going to go to heaven and just lazy around, you have another thing coming. Okay, so here we are. You still with me? I did that pretty good, 15 minutes. Okay, now, I'll go to some more notes. Now, I want to go to another scripture. This is uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 37. It says, but as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So, this scripture says that when Jesus returns again, he's going to come at a time when it's like the days of Noah. You with me? Okay, let's go to Hebrews 11.7. We're going to see an interpretation of this and a description in the, the, the chapter on faith. In Hebrews 11, 7, it says, by faith, can I just say everything's by faith? According to your faith, so be it. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen. You know, they had never seen rain before. They didn't know what a storm was. The earth was in a canopy of almost like a, a greenhouse. And he's, he warned them. God comes and warns Noah, hey, there's, there's storms coming, something's going to happen. And he, he, moved, he was moved with godly fear. He prepared an ark for the saving of his household. Now, let me replace ark, and this is proper hermeneutics, because all theologians will tell you this. He prepared an ecclesia for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Okay, stay with me here. So here we have, we have other clues now. God has put other clues all through the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and he's telling us here that Noah built the ark as an ecclesia for the saving of his household, meaning it was for his protection. And we, we, we see how, how uh, problematic it was in Noah's day. Noah was warned. And I, can I just tell you right now, there's things that we have not yet seen that are going to happen. And God is building the house before it's seen. He's building the ecclesia before it happens. So there will be a place of protection. Now, stay with me. Watch, watch this. So Noah, he... He builds this, according to uh, Hebrews eleven seven. He was warned. He starts building. One hundred twenty years, by the way. First Peter tells us he was a preacher of righteousness. He was a preacher of righteousness. So for one hundred twenty years, he's preaching. Hey, storms are coming. I'm building this this ark to save all of us. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure you are. So he preaches it for one hundred twenty years. Now. You, you, you'll be able to remember. I, I try to give you things that you can remember. 
God always gives us two things as means by which to warn us in every generation. He gives us sermons and he gives us signs. He gives us sermons and he gives us signs. So Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He was, he was sermonizing. But all of a sudden, he gets it built. And you've heard me tell this story before, but one of the, one of the I think, one of the most amazing signs of all time. If you were on the main street of Noah's, Noah's uh, town, and all of a sudden one day you get up, and here's these animals going seven by seven, two by two, and they're all going in the ark, and they're not fighting each other. And they all march in the ark. Noah gathers his family and goes in the ark. And did you know this? The door stayed open for one week. Seven days. You know why? Come on. Redemptive heart of God. Saying you still have time. Come on. Get in there. And they're all laughing. <laughs> Can you believe Noah? He's going in there with all the stinky animals. Can you believe that? He was warned. Now, if that is the type of the church in this day, God's telling us to get in the ark. And can I just say, the, if the ark is the uh, type of the church, it can get smelly. You can get kind of messy. Oh, but it's the place of your salvation. It's the only place you'll be saved. So they get in the ark seven days. All of a sudden, the door shuts. Noah didn't shut it. God shut it. He says, that's it. And now they all had, the, they all had a sermon. They all had signs. That, that sign of animals marching, I can't, I can't wait for that Netflix video either, you know. Just animals going up into the ark. And notice their natures were changed. Because they weren't fighting each other in the ark. There's no indication that lions were chasing dogs or you know, any kind of animal. Their natures were changed in the ark. Can I just, come on, you've got to catch this today. It's in the church, your nature will be changed. You can't just be a believer and not be in the church, in the ecclesia. You have to be in the place of his protection and provision. If you're not in the... You can, be, you can say, I believe God all you want. You can be saved. But if you're not in the place of his provision and protection, you will be up for terrible wrath. Are you with me? Okay, there are three arcs in the Bible. What's the second arc? Well, the second arc is the arc of the bulrushes with Moses. So we have, they created an ark. Moses was saved in the same waters that were drowning all of the other boy babies. Moses was saved. He was preserved. The third ark is the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant, what was that? It was, a, it was the ark that they built, that they had in the tabernacle of Moses. And in the ark, there was, all, there was preservation. Everything that was inside the ark was preserved and alive. In other words, you had manna that outside the ark would be corrupt in a day. Inside the ark, it lived for centuries. And it was alive. It was preserved. Are you catching this? And so what, what we're saying here, these three arcs illustrated 
three things we're protected from. When we're in the ecclesia, the ark, we are protected from the wrath of God, we're protected from Satan's assaults, and we're protected from the condemnation of the law. All that's illustrated in the, in the arks. And that's why we need to understand the, the, the power that's in, in the church. I just, I think we think of the church as a rotary club. Or a Lions Club, or, you know, we get together, we have a good time, we sing, hallelujah, and we hear a word and we go out and live our lives. No, this is your life. This is the power of God. This is where we get transformation. This is where we have power over the gates of hell. And we see this illustrated all through, all through Scripture. God's trying to get our, our mind on this because he plops the ecclesia down in the middle of the kingdom and he says, get in it. Now, we're not done. I got 17 minutes and 40 seconds. Watch this. Are, is this making sense? Okay, so th then, then we see a, a, another thing. So we have the kingdom, we have the ecclesia. God's building his redemptive plan. He's calling in his citizens, his people, in, into his kingdom and he's in, in, in the ecclesia, and he's giving them ambassador power so that we can, we can not just have... We, you know, your opinions don't mean anything to God. And as ambassadors, we're not here to share our opinions with anybody. We're here simply to declare what his word says and what Jesus says. He's our king. And so as an ambassador, that's what we do. Now, so we see that, that uh, not only was there the, uh, in this day is like the days of, of uh, Noah's Ark, but it's also like something else. And I want to go to this. Our day is characterized by the days of Noah. Our day is also characterized by the days of the plagues. Do you remember uh, the plagues in the Bible? It happened uh, in the nation of, of Egypt. Now, all the children of Israel, which had uh, accumulated to that point, after 430 years of about two to three, two and a half million people, they, were, they all lived in one area of Egypt called Goshen. Goshen means drawing near. When the plagues uh, come, there are 10 of them, when the plagues come, the plagues hit Egypt, they never did hit Goshen. There was a difference. Now, there's a... There's a principle in the Bible, and it's in Isaiah chapter 4. He puts a, he, he puts a uh, separation or a difference between his people and the plagues. He, he puts a difference or a separation between his people and Satan's assaults. He puts a difference or a protection for his people against all that the enemy can do and that God's wrath will be revealed to us about. And so he does that. So we have then... These plagues happening on, on, uh, uh, on Egypt. And the last plague shows up, and we know that is the, the plague of the, of the death angel that comes upon the firstborn. And he does something really interesting. Now remember, I'm talking about the ecclesia. See, the Bible is full of all these, these, these little clues. And he's given us these things, and if you put it together, it's just, whoa. And so he... He says to the children of Israel, he says, uh, when the death angel comes, I want you to get in the house. I want you to put blood upon the doorpost and littles of the house. And I want you to get inside and I want you to eat the, the bread, the unleavened bread and the lamb. And he says, you'll be saved. He said, get in the house. Now, it didn't matter 
if you were a circumcised Jew. It didn't matter if you had a great relationship with God. If you were outside the house, you were up for destruction. Did you catch that? You have to be not only right in your, in your relationship with God, you have to be right in your placement with God. Because Chris last week talked about place over preference. We've got to understand that God has assigned places for us. And once you, and I, I mentioned this three weeks ago, God sets you in families. He sets you, he placed that, the word set is the word hands-on just placing you there. And then he says, he says beyond that, he says those that are planted shall flourish in the house of our God. Those that are planted in the house of God will flourish in the courts of their God. And so I'm telling you right now that what God is trying to get across to us is this, is this whole idea that we have just messed up. We think of church as being an organization, and it is organized, but it's an organism. It's the power of God. It's God saying, get here and receive the, the, the implementation of the power. You'll have your nature change. You'll have power over hell. You'll have power over Satan, and you will see just amazing things happen. And he says all that in the context of this. So the, the last plague happens, and uh, to be an Israelite was not enough to spare them. They had to get in the house. For Pete's sake, people, get in the house. Now, this isn't the last time. Now, the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every principle or, or, or basic foundation be established. So you have to have two to three stories or implementation of a principle to actually validate what God is saying. So he gives us three. The third one is interesting because it happened with the children of Israel as they were crossing the Jordan River and they come up to the, the, first, uh, the first city and this is, a whole, this is a whole message in itself how the first city was, was to be dedicated to God. The first city that they came to uh, in, in the promised land was Jericho and Jer they were not to take anything out of Jericho. It was to be given to God as a tithe. And because they didn't do that, that one guy, remember, Achan, remember him? Don't want to remember him. Anyway, he, he messed everything up. And so they, the next town they went to, it was supposed to be easy. They weren't able to because they had violated God's word on tithe. And they tried to take the next city in not being in compliance with God. Now that's a whole other message. But they come across the river. They come up to Jericho. Two spies had gone into the city to kind of spy it out. And this woman, Rahab, they came across her, and, and she, had, she hid them, she hid them, and she uh, gave them all in this information. And then she asked an interesting question. You ought to, if you read Joshua, you will see her interesting questions. She says, how can I be saved when you come into this, into this, uh, uh, into this land? And they told her this. Everyone that gets in the house your house with a scarlet rope out the window will be saved. They didn't even, now think about this, they didn't even say get in right relationship with God. They said get in the house. So do you know what, it, you know what Rahab did? I, she was the best evangelist of all history probably. She was gathering all of her family, everyone she could think of, Jesus, we got to get in my house. Come on, we got to get in my house. Yeah. 
And I don't know how long they were there, but they got in the house. And if you know the story, and I've, I've researched this quite a bit, it's interesting when the walls of Jericho fell, they didn't fall, they went down in the ground. They went straight down. It's like land, ground opened up and they went down, except for one place. Because Rahab's house was on the wall. How do we know that? Because she let them out her window to escape. And the only place that was left intact, the whole city of Jericho, was Rahab's house. And the Bible says they became a part of Israel from that time on. Rahab is in the genealogy of Jesus. How does that work? Are you with me? I'm just, I'm just trying to get across to you today that there is something powerful about the ecclesia that God has placed in his kingdom, and we can't diminish or, or talk bad about it. I, I guess I'm tired of people just, you know, kind of dissing on the church and, you know, this and all that and talking about the people. And talking. We should be the most encouraging. We should be the most loving. We should be the kindest. We should be those that would uplift and bless people. God's trying to change our nature in here so we can be salt and light out there. Are you with me? And so he places the ecclesia, and he's kind of running around and says, I gave you enough signs. I've sermonized all through, you know, the biblical narrative. Now get in the house. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm yelling too much today. You got to get in the house. What does that mean? Committed to God's place. You've got to be in the place of God's protection and provision to receive. you got to be placed right in order to be protected right. And I'm telling you, I'm tell you it's going to be this, this way. Uh, uh, Hebrews 10.25 says, uh, uh, and even so much more as you see the day approaching, get in the house. Get in the house. Because there's going to be all kinds of things happening. If, if it's true that it's going to be like the days of Noah when Jesus comes again, we better know we better be in the house. And don't wait for the seven days. Well, I can wait. You know, I don't, I hear these people say, well, I'll just get saved just before I die. I've actually had people tell me that. You know, I want to have some more, I want to have some fun. And fun? Fun? Your life is fun? Look at you now. You're a mess. You know, I don't always say that, but maybe I should. And, and then they said, well, just get saved. But no, your seven-day seven period of grace is probably spent. Get in the house. Amen. Get in the house. You see, there's transformation in the house. There's protection in the house. There's preservation in the house. And there's power in the house. Here you are. I, I, don't, I, I don't know how to explain. Can I just say, what I'm preaching to you today is my secret sauce. If I were to, uh, this would be the message I would preach to everybody because I believe it's so important. You can't just be saved. You gotta be in a place of God's protection and provision as well. And there's so, I'm telling you, there's so many Christians out there just kind of floating around. I, I talk to them all the time. They say, well, Pastor Ken, we, we did our duty. We spent 30 years in church and we, we, were, we served and we did all, now we just wanna kind of rest and kind of do, rest? 
You get all eternity to rest. Get in the house. So my, I guess what I would say to you, you need to start calling your family. I don't know how long it is. I don't know how long this seven-day seven period is. You need to get everybody in the house. Now, I'm not talking just about our house. Any local church that is preaching the Word of God with power and authority. And don't go to a church that doesn't believe in the Holy Spirit, for Pete's sake. I'm sorry. The Holy, listen, it's the Holy Spirit that changed my life. And that's why I'm here. You know, the reason why we started this church isn't to have a bunch of people listen to me preach and have a good worship. We were here to build an ecclesia. And God taught this to me years ago. And I'm just telling you my secret sauce today. I don't believe my kids will be serving God if we didn't have the ecclesia. I don't be, believe Tracy and Chris and, and Rochelle will be serving the Lord the way they are outside of the ecclesia. I know Shane wouldn't have been, Kirsten wouldn't have been, you know, Naphtali. They'd go down the list here. It wouldn't be, have been serving God without the ecclesia. Get your, your family, your friends in the ecclesia. You got you to gotta tell them about the good news. Get them saved, yes, and get them in the house. I'm just telling you, get in the house. Get in the house. Get in the house for Pete's sake. Well, how else do I tell you this? Because there's protection, provision, preservation, power, transformation. I don't know. I've seen, I, I look at people here. I see, you've been here for years. You've been transformed. Nick, you've been transformed. You have. I mean, I see people, Roger, you were, you were in this church before you were married. And God transformed you and your whole family. And your, all three of your kids are serving God today because of the ecclesia. Come on, we go down the list. We talk about all this. Brian and Sharon, same thing with you guys. You see, I see Corey up there and I just get all excited. She's in the ecclesia. Come on, people. And if you, if you move someplace, can I tell you the most important thing is not your job. It's the ecclesia you get into. And you better find a good one. Okay? Is that enough, Lord? People, please, please. Can, now, so I'm trying to get the point across that this, this, this church, the meetings we have, everything we do, it's not about us. Do you know this is the only, the church is the only organization in the whole world that's meant for the non-member. Whereas we're here to shout the good news. We're here to bring more into the house. Get them saved, get them birthed in the kingdom. The Bible always says this, get them born in the kingdom and added to the house. Born in the kingdom, out of the house. Born in the kingdom, out of the house. Born in the kingdom, out of the house. We got to do that. That's where you'll be transformed. I see, did you see all those kids up here today? Oh man, I just, it just does my heart so good. There are just scores of them. We have CYA going tonight to, to camp. I just think it's going to be the best camp ever. And you see all these, these, these young people are making a difference because they're all in the ecclesia. You know, Steve, Patty, I, I've seen, since you got here in this ecclesia, I've seen transformation. I see it all over you. I, I see it, you know, Sal just got saved a year ago. He's been transformed and changed. The ecclesia. Well, God does it, but 
what happens is in the ecclesia, we have this edification, this, this that builds us up. Amen? So here we are, people. It's, it's, it can get messy. In the ark can get messy. You know, it can have irritations and people come and, boy, I don't like them. How come they're in our church? How come they're in our ark? I don't think the lions liked a lot of the animals in the ark. But they were there. And God changed their nature. Do you, do you know what? Those people that you have the most problem with are probably the people that God wants you to love the most. Because hurt people hurt people. And people that have really gone through difficult times, they, they, they manifest this. And they just need, uh, they need agape. They need God's love. Amen? And Rich, it's so good to have you back after a month. He, he goes to camp as an uh, army guy. Out the, he plays army. He goes out in the desert and plays army for a month. So, but it's, it's so good because we have relationships in the house. I've known Rich and Amy for how many years? Almost 20 or 15 years? 15 years, something. Just, and every, you guys don't know what a, what a pastor's heart is like. You, you, you get to know people and they just, they just jump inside you and you can't do anything about it. And then you hear, oh, they, they left the ecclesia. And you go, oh. Uh, yeah, they got offended. They didn't like how loud the music was. I get this almost every Sunday. Some people, some person comes, it's too loud. Another person comes up, not loud enough. And you, everything. Preacher, you, you preach too long. Another one comes up, you preach too short. Come on, we're just, we're just uh, uh, sinners saved by grace living this life together in the ark and let's let's not just enjoy it but let's believe that god's going to change us and let's believe that god's going to believe bring a lot more people in this ark and fill the arks of god in this treasure valley let's believe that god's going to fill the arks all right